Listen to this quote from Kevin DeYoung. Any gospel which purports to save people without also transforming them is inviting easy believism. If you think being a Christian is nothing more than saying a prayer or joining a church, then you've confused real grace with cheap grace. Those who are justified will be sanctified. Salvation is certainly free, but at the same time, it costs us everything. We are to die to ourselves as we change into the likeness of Christ. Where easy believism fails is its lack of recognition that a person with faith in Jesus will lead a progressively changed life. Salvation is a free gift from God to those who believe, but discipleship and obedience are the response that will no doubt occur when one truly comes to Christ in faith. Welcome to On Mission, the preaching ministry of Edgewood Baptist in Rock Island, Illinois. When we gather together, we meet on 38th Street, and when we're scattered, we strive to live on mission all over the Quad Cities area. Now, let's give our attention to what Jesus said in Luke 9, 23. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We're in a series we're calling Discipleship Matters. Listen now to part one of a message called Deny Your Dark Side. Trevin Wax writes this, Recent studies reveal 91% of Americans agree with this statement. So here's the statement. The best way to find yourself is by looking within yourself. So in other words, if you want to discover who you are and what your purpose is, the place to look is inside your heart. So when I googled the phrase, follow your heart, 13 million results came up. Well, here's some other common catchphrases that really make up a creed embraced by probably billions of people around the globe. Go with your gut. Do what's right for you. Pursue your dreams. Believe in yourself. And these next two, I'd ask Pastor Kyle for help on. I wasn't familiar with these. You do you or you be you. Now, we might expect these kinds of sayings from those who don't follow Christ, but many best-selling books written for the Christian market espouse similar teaching. One very popular author makes this statement, and I quote, Trust your good little heart. (laughs) Another well-known author who professes to be a Christian goes even further, and this is actually hard to hear. It's even hard for me to put these into words, but these are her words. Quote, maybe Eve was never meant to be our warning. Maybe she was meant to be our model. Own your wanting Eat the apple. By the way, that author's most recent book has sold over one million copies. So in essence, she's saying sin is no longer what's wrong with the world, but rather it's our unrealized desires. Now, friends, brothers and sisters, this must be corrected because this is blatantly unbiblical. Now, this is the dogma of Disney, 
It's not the doctrine of a devoted disciple, or to say it even stronger, those are lies from the pit of hell. So let's listen then to what the Bible says about following our heart. So check out book of Genesis, chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 3. Also the hearts of the children of man are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. Many of you know Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is what? Deceitful above all things. There's nothing more deceitful than the human heart and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Words of Jesus, Mark 7, 20 to 23, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For within, listen, words of Jesus, out of the heart of man, Come, evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. So he says it again. All these things come from within, and they defile a person. John Bloom writes, our hearts were never designed to be gods in whom we believe. They were designed to believe in God. Don't believe in your heart. Direct your heart to believe in God. I wrote this down. Don't follow your heart. Lead your heart. So in contrast to the pervasive and popular teaching which states life is all about you, it's all about me, listen to the words of the living word. If you have your Bible with you, there's Bibles in front of you, or feel free to use your mobile device in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he, Jesus, said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Secondly, take up his cross, not just one time, daily, and follow me. As I meditated on that verse, I remembered another quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. By the way, after the services last weekend, some asked about the cost of discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's classic book, uh, and where they could get that. So if you go to Sermon Extras on our website or on your mobile app, there's a link right there. It'll take you uh, somewhere where you can purchase that book. As we've been learning in our discipleship series, Discipleship Matters series, every believer is called to lovingly follow Jesus Uh, But that's not all. Don't stop there. And to intentionally help others follow him. So we've been talking about discipleship in the home, and this week I saw something on Facebook which caused me to celebrate. It's hard to find things on Facebook that make you celebrate. Well, it was posted by Tiffany Masongar. And I have permission to share this. This is what she wrote. On our way to the dentist this morning, we had to pull over for an ambulance. As we were pulled over, Amelia 
her daughter, asked if we could take a moment to pray for the people in the ambulance. So my sweet girl led us in prayer. Amelia is seven years old. And props to her parents, Sean and Tiffany, for intentionally discipling their children. Now, as we unpack this passage, we'll begin by considering the call to follow Jesus, and then we'll contemplate four conditions of discipleship. Desire, denial, death, and then finally, devotion. Now, because this verse, these words of Jesus, capture the heart of discipleship, I'm going to preach three sermons centered on just one verse. Now, allow me to read Luke 9.23 again. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So if the sermon last weekend was less than 20 minutes long, this one's going to last for three weeks. We'll tackle desire and denial today, next week, death, and then finally, devotion. We see Jesus' call in the first part of verse 23, and he said to all. Well, it's a good practice to put the text into context. So if you look up from there, the verses that come before, verses 10 through 17, we read that Jesus withdrew with his disciples for some time alone with the disciples. But the crowd saw where Jesus was going, and they followed Jesus. They showed up, and I'm sure the disciples are like, ah, don't we ever get any time alone with Jesus? So there's crowds of people. So what does Jesus do? He teaches, and he heals all. All day long. It's now dinner time, and the disciples are getting nervous. They're like, Jesus, send these people away so they can find lodging and some food. And what does Jesus say? You give them something to eat. There's 5,000 men there. And it's in that context where Jesus feeds the 5,000 hungry men with a bit of bread and a couple fish. Right after that, Jesus turns to the disciples in verses 18 through 20, and he asks a question. He says, who do you say I am? Peter spoke up quickly, and he declared, you are the Christ of God. Now, they weren't prepared for what happened next. Look at the verse right before the verse we're in this weekend. The Son of Man, Jesus said, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. They didn't see that coming. And on the third day, be raised. So after this intense teaching time, which included a public rebuke of Peter, we read about that in Mark chapter 8, Jesus calls the crowd and the 12 together. And the tense for the word said can be translated was saying over and over. So apparently what Jesus is about to declare about discipleship is something he repeatedly emphasized. The word all means the whole, meaning it's intended for the curious crowd and for the committed core. Mark 8.34 fills in some details, calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them. So what Jesus says next is not just for the disciples, but for each and every one of us. These words are for you, and they're for me. We can't escape them. We can't redefine them. We can't ignore them. 
Nor can we seek refuge in syrupy spiritual slogans. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. Would you notice the call to faith is open to everyone, but there are conditions to following Christ. We saw that last week. We, we pointed out the word if, Luke 14, 25, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and brother and sister. So some of the most profound truths come in very small Words. Grammatically speaking, the word if introduces a conditional clause, meaning there are conditions or circumstances upon which certain consequences follow. <laughs> if is one of the first words a child begins to associate with logical thinking and conditional results. Parents reinforce this from an early age, like, Bobby, if you eat your carrots, then you can have some ice cream. Well, the carrots are quickly consumed so that ice cream can be enjoyed. And as one grows, the ifs come fast and furiously as we figure out that we have a responsibility to do something. If you finish your homework, well, then you can go out and play. If you complete your chores, you can use the car this weekend. If you take this medicine, it should relieve your symptoms. If you service your car, it will last much longer. Now, I didn't have to take the time to count each one, but the word if appears nearly 1,600 times in the Bible. Almost half of the 574 occurrences in the New Testament are found in the four Gospels. So the word if reminds us that it's our responsibility to respond and not be passive. We've said this before, we need to repeat it. You and I will never coast into Christ-likeness. It doesn't just happen the older you get as a Christ follower. You won't coast into Christ-likeness. Consider these examples from Jesus of the use of the word if, Mark 4, 23. If anyone has ears to hear, well, then let him hear. John 7, 37, if anyone is thirsty, well, let him come to me and drink. The reason some don't come is because they're like, I'm not thirsty, I'm satisfied, I'm good the way I am. John 8, 31, if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So if means we have a choice in the matter whether or not we'll make our discipleship matter. Now, let's look at the first conditional demand of discipleship. We could call it desire. The first condition is a person must desire to be a disciple. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me. The phrase would come is the idea of intentionality. It involves an act of the will. It can be translated as desire or wish. So let me make a statement that isn't all that profound, but as you contemplate it, it is. In order to walk with Jesus, you must first want to walk with Jesus. And I wonder if some of us aren't growing because we don't really want to. The New King James renders this clause this way, whoever desires to come after me. New American Standard, if anyone wishes. New Living Translation, if any of you wants to be my follower. So this was not a secret teaching for a select few. 
No, this call of Jesus goes out to everyone and to anyone, to the curious crowd, those nearby, to the committed disciples, the core, and even to the counterfeit, Judas. Well, these three groups are still present today, right here in this place, and those listening online. There are some who are curious about Christ and maybe haven't been saved yet. Many others, the majority, are committed to Christ, while a few have counterfeit faith. Jesus gives the same message to each of these groups. A common misconception in the church is that discipleship is only for the super committed people. It's not for everyone. One pastor captures this misconception. He writes this, if you're a masochist who likes hardship, deprivation, sacrifice, and perhaps even martyrdom, you can sign up for the discipleship track. The other track for us normal people? Oh, that's more sensible. It's a more sensible plan. You can still pursue your dreams for success and personal fulfillment, and you can generally enjoy the good life and the fellowship of a good evangelical church. Every once in a while, you need to drop something in the offering plate, but don't worry about sacrifice or cross-bearing or self-denial. Here's how he ends. I contend that Jesus taught there is only one track for those who believe in him, namely the discipleship track. If you're not his disciple, you are not a Christian. Every believer is called to be completely yielded to Jesus as Lord. Now, with words like that, maybe it makes us wonder, like, I don't know where I'm at Well, it doesn't matter what you've done or how you've been living. I'm reminded of the song by Michael W. Smith. There's one line in there. Wherever you are at the cross, there is room. Romans 3.23 says all have sinned. We're all busted. We're all sinners. Acts 10.34, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness through his name. So look at the phrase, come after me. That implies movement of lining up behind the Lord, following him wherever he goes. So we don't walk in front of him and ask him to catch up with us in our ways and our wishes. No, we get behind him so that we walk wherever he walks. We walk after him, not ahead of him. We don't live our life the way we want to live it and then once in a while say, God, would you bless me in what I want to do? No, we follow him and we then walk in his blessings when our lives line up with his word. So here's a question. You have to answer it. You don't have to answer it out loud. Do you have the desire to follow Jesus as one of his disciples? Listen, you won't follow him if you don't want to. One of Beth's sisters years ago made a statement that we quote in our family. I've shared this before, but it's like in our family vernacular. She probably doesn't even know we quote her. 
it goes like this. <laughs> People do what they want to do. Well, in the area of discipleship, People do what they want to do. It sounds so simple, but it's true. So some are not following the Savior simply because they don't have a desire to do so. Or because their desire is for immediate gratification and they're living to satisfy those desires instead of living for godliness. So let me say it again. Until you desire to be a disciple, you won't be one. Psalm 73, 25, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire beside you. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. Let's look next at denial. So the first condition is to settle your desire. Second is to deny himself. This is hard. Jesus said, let him deny himself. If this is your desire to follow me, deny yourself. That phrase, let him, puts the responsibility on each one of us. It's intentional. It's not automatic. I appreciate the candor of one believer. Perhaps you'll resonate with this honesty, he writes this, honestly, I don't want to forsake myself. I like me. And I don't want to be told that the one I like the most, I have to forsake. Yet Jesus says that I have to deny or forsake the one person I like best. Everything within us screams against surrendering in this way. To deny is to mean, it means a firm refusal. It's the same word used of Peter denying Jesus. The one Bible dictionary defines denial this way, to disown and renounce self and to subjugate all works, all interests, and all enjoyments. One Bible commentator captures it this way, self-denial is turning away, this is quite a phrase, self-denial is turning away from the idolatry of self-centeredness and every attempt to orient one's life by the dictates of self-interest. Jesus said it rather bluntly, Luke 14, 33, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. My good friend, Ben Lovelady, is the pastor at First Baptist Church in Silvis, and he posted something last week which captures why it's so difficult for us to deny ourselves. I have his permission to share this. It's quite deep, so travel with me into some depth here. He writes, a tragic irony of living in a world devoid of absolute truth is not that absolutes disappear, but that they exponentially increase. Every opinion, think of our culture today, every opinion becomes elevated to that of a Lord. In ancient times, Ben writes, gods were thought to have zip codes. This God being... This God being God over this land and this God over that. Here's how he ends. 
in our times, the divine zip codes have shrunk to the size of our heads. And I would add, our hearts. What's God doing in your heart right now? Are you convicted? Challenged? Encouraged? Is there a next step he's asking you to take? Don't procrastinate. Decide right now to be a fully faithful follower of Jesus, not just one of his fans. Thanks for joining us for On Mission. If you'd like to hear more sermons like this one or want to learn more about the ministry of Edgewood, go to edgewoodbaptist.net or download our free mobile app on the Apple App Store or Google Play by searching for Edgewood QC. We'd love to have you as a guest at one of our three weekend services, Saturday at 5 or Sunday at 9 or 1045. My name is Matt Williams, and I'm a member of Edgewood. Ethan Curry, also an Edgewood member, is serving as the producer of this program. We look forward to connecting with you again next weekend as we learn more about how to live on mission. Until then, go deep in God's Word and keep applying it to your world. On Mission is furnished by Edgewood Baptist in Rock Island, Illinois.